Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a wiki podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Austin Duncan to the podcast. Austin serves as the director of the MacArthur Center for Expository Preaching, the director of the doctoral ministries program, and is chair of the pastoral ministries department at the Master Seminary in Sun Valley, California. Dr. Duncan, welcome to Preaching Preachers. It's good to be with you, Dr. Allen. It's, it's always nice to leave sunny Los Angeles and come to sunny Kansas City. It is sunny today. Unfortunately, it, it's cold, but it is sunny today. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling every piece of that. Hey, it's, uh, you know, the Shepherds Conference, when uh, I've had occasion to attend over the years, it was always such a nice break to go out there in early March and experience the full warmth of, of Los Angeles. So, And that's, a, that's actually a trick that we do. Uh, Los Angeles is idyllic in March. Uh, it actually doesn't have fall or winter either, but it, it can be deceptive when you go to the Shepherds Conference and experience absolutely perfect weather. Uh, it's actually not like that all the time. Well, so. there you have it. Well, hey, listen, we're here today in the studio, and we're going to talk about uh, the life and ministry of John MacArthur, and a man who's meant a great deal to me, a man who means a great deal to you, and um, along whose side you, you serve. So before we get into talking about John MacArthur, uh, give us a sense about the, the life and ministry of Austin Duncan these yeah. days. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a lesser topic for sure, but I, I'm grateful to serve uh, alongside Dr. MacArthur on the pastoral team at Grace Community Church, and I've been uh, involved heavily at the seminary the last decade as well, and our recent initiatives at the MacArthur Center for Expository Preaching have been uh, just an absolute privilege to, to head those up. Uh, it was uh, something that wasn't my idea, but a donor gave us some money some years ago, and, and nobody did anything with it. And, and I thought, you know, this is, this is the perfect time uh, during COVID to kind of abscond with his seminary office, which he's got an office at the church right across the plaza. So we turned that into uh, a bit of a a place to uh, consider the impact of expository preaching. Uh, we didn't want to make a shrine to Dr. MacArthur. He didn't want a shrine, and we kept a lot of it kind of secret. And he is still living. Yeah, and he's not gone, so there's a lot of reasons to not enshrine him. But uh, during the coronavirus shutdown stuff, we remodeled that, that space, and it's become uh, just a place where we can show prospective seminarians uh, sort of the collection that, that Dr. MacArthur's put together over the years. People have been very gracious and given him some uh, antique Bibles and significant historical um, books and treasures. And so we, we, we enjoy going in there. And Dr. MacArthur, I'll sometimes come in on a Friday, and I've found Dr. MacArthur in that uh, little library office. It doesn't have any phones or any computers or any secretaries. It's just uh, kind of a an old book, you know, spot. And I found him in there studying where nobody will, nobody will disturb him in there. There's no correspondence to attend to, and he'll just be working away on his sermons. So there you have it. Well, I'm delighted that you guys were able to establish that. Many of us have enjoyed episodes of the podcast you launched and uh, kind of a, an oral history, which has been which, yeah. which has been fun to see. I wanted people to understand, you know, I, before I came out to Masters, I was a youth pastor in New Mexico, uh, neither New nor Mexico, a far off place. And I was just, uh, you know, a youth pastor trying to figure out how to get further training. And I knew I needed 
uh, greater precision in my preaching, and I was listening to uh, great preachers like Dr. MacArthur, like Dr. Piper, uh, and trying to figure out how to do what they do. And I knew I just needed more tools. And so I ended up at Master's Seminary. Um, I almost went to Southern. I'm kind of your, your story, except a you know, Kmart version. Uh, you know, I, I thought, I'm going to go to Southern. I knew some guys there. I knew some guys at Master's, and the Lord directed my steps through uh, just me being very impressed with some some TMS alumni I met serving overseas. And I thought, I, w- I want to do what those guys do. I want to understand, you know, how to, how to approach the text with that kind of care and precision. So I made my way out to California uh, with my wife. My wife, we were just married, and I left behind uh, a youth ministry that I loved doing and thought I would be at the seminary to study and then be launched out, which is normally how it works. But I've ended up staying there for all these years and uh, taking on different tasks. I, I work with our college students at church and then our efforts in training preachers, I guess to partner with Steve Lawson and Dr. MacArthur and in investing in those young guys. And I know that's a special joy for you to train preachers, and it's something I love doing. And, and with the podcast, I wanted to, I wanted other people to experience MacArthur outside the pulpit. Dr. Allen, you've had conversations with John MacArthur, and you, earlier in our conversation, you were talking about how gracious he, he mm-hmm. is, how personal and warm. Uh, so many view him as a polemicist, and he is, and as a uh, a watchdog, and he is, uh, but he's also such a pastor. And I wanted people to hear how he thinks about pastoral issues, even how he thinks about preaching and theology on a more intimate level. And so I've been chasing him around with my little microphone for a few years, getting those kind of behind the scenes uh, looks and then talking to other folks. And what we found is, is people are very interested because he's had such a big impact in so many people's lives. And formative in, in folks' discipleship, in their uh, formation, in their understanding of the Bible, just a huge impact around the world, the media ministries. And so it, that podcast, I thought, would be uh, just a project we'd make a few episodes, but we, we've just approached a million downloads and people recognize my voice at Subway Sandwich Shops now. So it's... Uh, I finally attained to D-list Christian celebrity status, and I'm, I'm you've hit the big time. It. Yeah, it's so, a big time. Big so you time. used the word several times, the word impact, and I yeah. guess after all, that's why we're having a conversation today, talking about the life and ministry of John MacArthur. It's why you're doing a podcast on him. It's why he is uh, the focus of so many individuals' attention. And so, give us a sense, just the broad contours of the impact. Uh, the man was born in 1939. He's 83. Will be 84 this summer. Continue yeah. to pastor the same church for over 50 years. Uh, but but give us a sense beyond that uh, of just a, a, of the scope of his of his life's work. Yeah, and if Dr. MacArthur was in the studio, he would trace that back to the investment that he received from his father and his grandfather. Both of them were preachers. Both Harry MacArthur and Jack MacArthur were were preachers, going all the way back to Prince Edward Island, and that's where the MacArthur's came from before they or before they were in Scotland. Then they came to Canada, and eventually. Chicago and California uh, along the way. And so Dr. MacArthur really was entrusted with the legacy of pastoral ministry from his father and his grandfather, and he holds them in the highest regard. And I think when he set out on his ministry and the the conversations I've had with him in in thinking about his impact, uh, he had no grand aspirations to have a global impact. Uh, I still don't think that's how he thinks about ministry or preaching. He wanted to be faithful, and he wanted to 
be motivated by a desire to understand the Word of God and then to proclaim it. So Dr. MacArthur's impact starts with a legacy not of global impact, but a legacy of being faithful to study the Word of God week in and week out, and that's something he learned from his dad. And in those early years, called to a a church that in no way would have been seen as a significant church in the San Fernando Valley, a, a place that was sort of the expansion of Los Angeles where there was cheaper housing. A lot of uh, World War II uh, veterans were, were finding government housing in that area. It was a pastoral area in the sense of there was orange groves everywhere and chicken farms and uh, a little church that had sort of Bible roots and two different ministers who were both more Methodists saw this young preacher who had been speaking at youth camps in California and had been out representing Talbot Seminary, where he graduated from, has been youth pastor at his dad's church in Burbank, just down the street. And some young people had heard him preach, and they went to the search committee and said, you got to get this guy. He was 29 years old uh, when he became the pastor, and, and he had no grand aspirations. This was not you know, a significant urban center. This was a little church with a few hundred people that were hungry to hear the word of God. And on the podcast, we explored those, those, that early, that first sermon he preached and, and that early impact as, as he faced the, the struggles every pastor faces with folks who uh, are resistant, folks who are standing in the way, opportunities to compromise, fidelity to the word of God. And, and Dr. MacArthur endured all that. And what came of it, the impact that's now, you know, I don't think there's an hour where he's not on the radio somewhere around the world. His his study Bible's been translated into dozens of languages. Even listening to the guys from Grace to You and the Master's Academy International at a meeting last week reporting on some of the advancements in AI technology and translating Dr. MacArthur's stuff. I mean, the amount of exposure that that singular pulpit in the San Fernando Valley has had uh, can really only be explained by the providence of God. Humanly speaking, what would you attribute Dr. MacArthur's, let's say, success to? I use that word with trepidation, but uh, the breadth of his ministry, humanly speaking? Humanly speaking, uh, I think it's MacArthur, the way he's wired. He's wired uh, a certain way. He has a tremendous intellectual curiosity, and he is never out to produce a sermon. That's never his end goal. I mean, even even now, under the pressure of preaching, you know, at an upcoming Shepherds Conference or something, he, he is, that sermon's been finished for a month, but he continues not to work on the sermon, but to just to mine the depths. That's That's been the mark of Dr. MacArthur's preaching. So on a human level, I think MacArthur's deep curiosity to explore the Word of God, to understand it, uh, that is the prerequisite. His time by himself in his study is what explains the outcome. So it starts on a very lonely place in the preacher's study. And from there, through countless providences from the timing of media ministry in the United States, you know, that, that, that was a new technology to even today. I mean, you know this, most of our seminarians that come to our schools, 
you know, when we, when we went to seminary, we listened to cassette tapes and we read books. They are on YouTube. Right. And most seminarians, they, they learned what they learned about theology, about preaching from YouTube, just whatever video was popping up next. And so to see some of the, the areas of expansion from radio to global missions to the multimedia downloadable internet sermons, I mean, some of that's just providence of how this technology has intersected with Dr. MacArthur's ministry. But it always comes back to if you wonder what he's up to. He's reading, he's studying, he's writing, he's thinking about the things of God. And, and as far as personality traits, you know, areas of self-discipline, yeah. habits of ministry, what have you seen in him that you think, oh, okay, again, God is clearly blessed through gifting yeah. and through an alignment of providential points. Yeah. But I, I do see at the same time, he's willing to, you know, sit in that chair and not get up till he knows the text or, yeah. or you know, he, he rises early. You know, what, what yeah. have you seen from him? Do you think, ah, oh, humanly speaking— you know, that doesn't hurt either. Yeah, so three things come to mind. One, MacArthur's a jock. So he was a jock growing up. He's a jock still. Recently he had some health troubles, and the doctor asked him, I mean, he's 83 years old, you know, how do you get around? Do you use a walker? He was so offended when he was asked that question because he plays 18 holes of golf still to this day. So uh, <laughs> I get so, around by getting around. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets around just fine, thank you very much. He, he's just, he's a jock. He's athletic. He's competitive. Uh, so he's got that kind of temperament. Second, MacArthur's always been a guy who has been deeply committed to personal integrity. And that's not a sermon for him. That's who he is. Walking with him in ministry and learning from him these last almost 20 years that I've been out in Los Angeles, I mean, the guy doesn't compromise. He doesn't cut corners. The MacArthur you hear on the radio is the MacArthur you see in his den at his house with his grandkids, with with the children in the church, with pastoral responsibilities. I mean, he is a truth guy. And so he's always going to assess every situation, not with what's practical or pragmatic, but what he believes to be God's word in light of the situation. He, he's a black and white guy. He's a truth guy. So I think he's a jock. I think he's got this this really profoundly shaped integrity that he holds on to. And then third, I think he's a humble guy. I mean, he just doesn't think that highly of himself. He's self-deprecating. He doesn't think of himself as as some scholar or something like that. He 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 thinks of himself as a humble servant of Christ. And so I think it's a really unique combination that God, you know, used to make John MacArthur. Uh, and MacArthur always has the same line, you know, I, I focus on the depth of my ministry and God will take care of the breadth of it. And I think he's probably the most surprised of anybody as to all the impact that the ministry's had over these years and over the world. When many people hear the name John MacArthur, they think of, you know, a controversialist, a polemicist. Yeah. And uh, give some insight into that. Uh, what, what, in, in what ways is he temperamentally wired? And what ways do controversies find him? And in yeah. what ways does he find controversies? Give us your perspective. Yeah, I think Dr. MacArthur is not I – I, I just don't think of him as a person who loves controversy or loves conflict. In fact, I've found the opposite to be true. I don't think he is in any way a pugnacious man, which people would have a hard time believing me say that because they've only heard 
you know, sound bites on YouTube, you know, answers to a question in a Q&A, or uh, they've heard a, a sermon on a very controversial in their mind section of scripture that most preachers would pass over. But MacArthur's just going to preach the next verse, and he's not going to really be very concerned about, you know, well, how, how are people going to respond to that? How are they going to feel about that? I mean, he, he's not a feel guy. He's a truth guy. And so I think as a, as a controversialist, because though he's not, I think, looking for a fight, because he stands for the word of God and because compromise is not going to be an option for him, he'll find himself in controversy, uh, sometimes unwillingly, uh, but he's always willing to finish the fight and, and go through with it when he's standing on the Word of God. And so you think of things like the Lordship controversy in, in the 80s. Uh, it would have been far easier to, to say good and godly men can disagree. Instead, you know, he, he puts the full force into the gospel according to Jesus. And you know, really, that ended up alienating a lot of uh, people who are theologically close to him. So other kind of dispensational types, uh, I mean, that, that was a, a pretty big schism, but it was a definitive moment in saying that you cannot claim Jesus as your Savior unless you follow him as Lord. And so in MacArthur's mind, that was a reclamation of, of the basic call of Christ in the gospel. So I, I think that's what you find. And then you find a, a prophetic kind of sense in MacArthur, don't you? Uh, you'll, you'll see him kind of call something early on, whether it's uh, another minister, another pastor somewhere around the world, which I don't know what kind of podcast this is if we name names, but I'm just going to say that there's been pastors that MacArthur has been terribly hard on. Uh, and I think many evangelicals said, Doc, you, why are you so dogged against this guy? And then a few years later, Time and truth go hand in hand, and you know, things are exposed, and it's shown that uh, there, was, there was significant reason for concern. And so I think he's, for a cessationist, he is remarkably prophetic. Uh, even in, in woke stuff happening these days, which are uh, you know, very divisive and polarizing days, I mean, Dr. MacArthur was on the leading edge of that thing, and he was 80 years old. But he was calling it early on, and he saw the worldviews that were underpinning some of these arguments that most of us would have said, oh, well, we just need to be more sensitive uh, in our culture. He, he saw this as a very dangerous moment of compromise as a worldview that was creeping in uh, and a cultural shift that now we all see it. So I think that because he's a truth guy, he's going to be a fighter. And I think it was Luther that said, you have to fight where the, where the war is. You don't get to fight on your terms. It's where the battle rages fiercely. That's where you need to be. So I think that's how he's done it. Yeah, that's a very helpful answer. Give us a sense of his pastoral ministry. Again, most people think of the preacher. Uh, as I know guys who serve in close proximity to him, they say, look, there's also a remarkable tenderness there. And I don't mean just to um, empathize or sympathize with someone, but an alertness to the to the local church, you know, that you'll yeah. find like the business guy in the world will actually show up and make a hospital visit, you know, those sorts of yeah. things that happen. Yeah, and he, all of the associate pastors who've ever worked at Grace could, could all testify to this reality. He beats us to the hospital. Part of that is he drives faster than we do. 
that's part of his athleticism. But uh, he's kind of a Mario Andretti of expositors. But <laughs> he, he also is, I mean, he's just, and part of that is, you know, God gives us a wife that's so suitable for us and to us. And, and Mrs. MacArthur is the perfect and ideal pastor's wife. She's so charming and lovely and concerned for the congregation. And, and so she shares that with him. And, and I love watching that dynamic between them over the years where she's reminding him of what notes he needs to write. And they just work as such a wonderful team in that way. But he's a pastor and he's a seasoned pastor. And he knows that pastoral ministry is about people. And he loves people, and as uh, I've watched over the years, uh, he'll be the first guy that gets to the hospital. You know, I, I think I'm on alert. I show up, and, and I find out visiting this dear saint, yeah, Dr. MacArthur was here hours ago. So that's, that's classic John MacArthur is, is he's a pastor. He, he has genuine concern for the flock. I mean, he's visited. I, I remember getting calls from Dr. MacArthur when uh, one of our little ones was in the hospital, and— uh, seeing him show up, and, and I'm going, Mac, you have so much you could be doing right now. You, you didn't need to do this, and, and yet he, he's there you know, visiting our family. So if you don't understand John MacArthur as a pastor, you don't understand John MacArthur. He's a shepherd, uh, a tender-hearted man who's so gracious uh, with people in their afflictions. Last question. So Dr. MacArthur is 83 years old, uh, I guess in his 54th year of service at Grace. What keeps him going these days? Honestly, it's the same same as it always was. He, We had a meeting last week. He's had some health issues recently that he's recovering from very, very well, which we're all very grateful for. We, I've said before the plan for Dr. MacArthur, the succession plan, which we have a, a podcast about that. But the plan doesn't need to be in effect for at least 40 more years. We're going the Moses plan with Dr. MacArthur. We want him to get 120 and then crawl out Mount Nebo. And so the next generation can deal with uh, the next MacArthur. But you know what, what's happening these days as he grows older uh, is we have noticed no decline in Dr. MacArthur. He, he continually jokes with us and says, when I stop making sense, tell me to stop preaching. And uh, we praise God that he has, he has never not made sense. So he is still sharp, still wanting to see progress made. I mean, see, these are some of the most exciting times uh, at our church uh, as far as the resources that we're putting towards Christian education with all the threats there is to educating young people and children these days. These are days of, of our greatest growth at the Master's University, uh, where we have a record enrollment and a waiting list for students. The seminary has higher enrollment than we've seen ever mm. uh, because across all our programs, and, and that's just the Lord blessing these days. Uh, and MacArthur, I think, in, in so many ways is enjoying the fruit of all of this these years of faithful commitment to uh, the scriptures and to faithful gospel ministry. And so MacArthur is as engaged as ever. He's never been a micromanager. He's never been a, uh, you know, I have to sit in every meeting kind of a guy, but he's available and he provides leadership to the larger family of ministries. And it's just absolutely essential as, as he's doing that. We're very, very grateful for the stewardship. And we all think of it that way. It's a team effort out 
there, and we all uh, really want to work together well and complement each other's ministries and operate with the spiritual gifts that God's given us. We know that there isn't another John MacArthur on the horizon, and, and none of us are thinking, you know, uh, I wish I had his job. We, we all are so grateful for his enduring leadership and influence, and uh, we are truly enjoying these as some of the sweetest years uh, of ministry at the church, the seminary, at the university, at our, our missions emphasis at the Master's Academy International. And these are great years for grace to you as, as so much is happening to proliferate the teaching on uh, the internet. Well, Austin, thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. An absolute pleasure, Dr. Allen. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.